Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Thank you for a great time of worship. God has blessed us. Uh, It's my privilege and honor to stand before River of Life this morning. Thank you for Pastor Henry. He was going to sit beside his wife. She said, absolutely not. So he's back at the front. So, uh, what an honor. I haven't got over the t-shirt comment yet, have (laughs) y'all? Brother Al Terrell, pray for us. Let's go before the throne. Father God, we bow unto you, Lord. God, we need you more, Lord God, every minute, every hour of the day, Lord. Lord, I know there's portals up there, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you open up the portals right now, God. Mm. Lord, we need heaven to touch the earth, Lord God. Yes, God. God, we need healing in this land, Lord God. Healing in our hearts, Lord. Healing in our minds, Lord. Healing in our souls, Lord God. Healing in our, in our bodies, Lord God. Yes. Lord, let your spirit move, Lord, throughout this place, Lord God. Let your spirit move in our hearts, O God. Let us be subject unto your word, O God. O God, give the minister that's speaking, O God, clarity, O God. Mm. Clarity of thought, O God. Clarity of mind, O God. Clarity, O God, it only comes from you, O God. And as your word goes out, O God, you say your word does not return back void, Lord. Mm. And Lord, we just pray that your word, Lord, begins to pierce, O God. Oh, God, that your word begins to humble, O God. Lord, that your word begins to set the captive free, God, in the name of Jesus, God. Yes, and God, you, that your blood is applied, Lord. Yes. That your blood is applied to hurt, Lord. Your blood is applied to pain, Lord. Your, your blood is, is applied, Lord God, to unresolve us tragedy, symptoms, Lord God, of hurt and shame and of sin, Lord. And you begin to mend, Lord. Yes. Men, Holy Spirit, God, even right now, Lord, prepare our hearts, Lord, Lord, to give our all unto you unto today, Lord, not looking for tomorrow, Lord God, Mm. but asking ourselves the question, Lord, what must we might do, Lord, to be saved, Lord, to be changed, Lord, to be reconciled unto you on today, Lord. Now come in this house, Lord, flood this place, Lord, flood this atmosphere with your spirit and with your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, my brother. Several weeks ago, we were in a uh, staff meeting, may have been a month or so more, and the pastor came to me and he said, look, I've got it on my heart that we would have a harvest Sunday, a a, a salvation Sunday. And uh, I just want to stop just a second before we get started and thank God for our pastor. Thank God that he listens to the Lord. Amen. I, uh, I've actually been around preachers for a long time, and I'll be honest with you, he's my choice, but don't tell him that. 
I really enjoy his fellowship. God began to do a work in my heart after he asked me to preach today. And it's really an unusual message. You've got your Bible. If you would, please take it and turn with me to James chapter number four. James chapter number four. And uh, what I want to do is I want to deal with life's most serious question. Life's most serious question. Um, An article, and you can find this online at gotquestions.org. It states that there are many, many questions in the Bible. It is difficult to give a precise number because ancient Hebrew and Koine Greek did not use punctuation. You can't just pull out the Dead Sea Scrolls and count the question marks. Often it is difficult to know if a sentence is truly intended to be a question or not. But Bible scholars, listen to this, estimate that there are approximately 3,300 different questions in the Bible. Wow. In fact, as soon as man gets on the earth, Genesis chapter 3, there's that question. Did God really say what he meant? Did he mean what he said? And it continues. And in your Bible is full of it. Here's some of my favorites. Uh, Job 14, 14 asks this question. If a man dies, shall he live again? Is that not a good question? John chapter number 5, verse number 6. Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda, and there's this man that has been lame for 38 years. He's laying there waiting on the troubling of the water. And Jesus walks up to him and asks this question. Wilt thou be made whole? Question some perhaps need to answer here this morning. Acts 2.37, Simon Peter stands up and he preaches and he tells them, you have taken the Son of God and you've crucified him. And the truth of that statement struck the heart of those who were assembled and they cried out and said, what must we do? And he said, you must repent. I love what it says in Acts chapter number 16, verse 31. Only place in all the word, Acts chapter 16, verse number 30. Only place in all the word of God, it's, the question is asked just like this. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Wow, is that a good question? Acts 16, 31 gives the answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Matthew chapter 16, another great question. Jesus Christ asked his disciples, who do men say I the son of man am? Well, some say that you're, you know, uh, Jeremiah. Some say you're Elias. Some say you're one of the other prophets. (laughs) Some say you're John the Baptist. And then Jesus zeroes in and says, but who do you say I the son of man am? Here's a great question. Romans chapter number 8, if God be for us, what does it say? Who can be against us? Man, if you ever grasp the, the, the truth of that statement, if you're on God's side, no one will ever be able to defeat you, regardless of the circumstances that come in your life. If you're walking with Him, you are victorious in Christ Jesus. Woo, yeah, somebody ought to get happy about that this morning. And then probably... Pilate, you remember Matthew 27? What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Life is full of questions, amen? Some of them are real serious. For instance, will you marry me? Is that not a serious question? A lady told me, she said, preacher, if I hadn't asked him, we still wouldn't be married. 
How about this one? Are we going to have a baby? Is that a serious question? Did I get the job? Or if you're a father-in-law, did you get a job? (laughs) Questions. Life, the Bible, all filled with questions. But in my understanding, my conception, the way I think, there is no greater question than this one that is found, James chapter 4, verse number 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? Wow. It is both a question and then the answer. What is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a short while and then is soon vanished away. Now what makes this question so serious is that it, is, it can only be answered by you. And the answer if it's to be truthful, must come from the choices you make and the consequences that result. And so, what is your life? It's a very serious question when we remember that you only get to live once. This is not a dress rehearsal. There are no do-overs in life. Man, I messed this up. And I hear people say this all the time. You know, if I could just go back, you can't. What is your life? Carl Sandburg described it best when he said this. Time is the coin of your life. It's the only coin you have, and only you will determine how it will be spent. For some people, if you were to ask them, you said, uh, oh, what is your life? They would say, man, college football, I live for Saturday afternoon. Maybe yesterday was good, maybe it wasn't. Others, it would be, man, you know, I live for hunting season. Uh-oh. I live to go fishing. I, I live, and you can fill in the blank. Maybe it's shopping. People say, I live for all of these things. For some people, it's family. For others, it's making money. They asked John D. Rockefeller one time, said, how much is enough? He said, just a little bit more. What is your life? What are you living for? As you approach life, have you got a plan? Is that plan to glorify God? Does your plan include a stopping date? I heard about a fellow that jumped off the Empire State Building, 144th floor, bragging to everybody that he was going to survive. As he passed the floors, they could hear him holler out, So good, so far! And unfortunately, that's the way some people live their life. They get up and they face this day and say, hey, today is like yesterday and it will be like tomorrow. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. Let's go forward. No, no, no. You have but one chance to make something out of the life that God has given you. This morning an hour has passed and with it go all the opportunities, privileges, and choices that might have been made.
The woman of Tekoa in 2 Samuel chapter 14 told King David, We are as water spilt upon the ground and cannot be gathered again. The old adage says that we are like sands to an hourglass. So are the days of our life. I got that from one of our senior adults. Don't you laugh. So what's the source of life? According to the Bible, 1 John 5, 12, the Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life. If my life is to count, I must have the Son. He must reign and be preeminent and prominent. He must be prominent in my life. Others must look at me and know I have the Son. But not only is it is the source of life, Paul said it's also the secret of life. Philippians 1.21, he says, for me to live is Christ. My very existence, my very being is on this one foundational stone. I am a Christian. So it's a serious question. What is your life when you realize this is the only one you got? But I would hasten on to say and ask perhaps this question. What is your life, very serious question, when you realize that you are working upon your eternal estate? This is what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 20. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. According to your Bible, eternity is going to render to each man his own reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and then again in Romans chapter number 14. The Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and there everyone may receive for the things done in his body according as he hath done them, whether they be good or bad. One day, oh, I hate this, there's going to be a test. I hate test when i was in college i walked in there and there was his name was mr harrison i can see him like it was yesterday he's been dead 40 years and i can still i'm tormented by this man i'd walk in it'd be new testament theology and we'd walk in and he'd say sit down take out a piece of paper and a pencil back then we didn't have ipads and he'd ask us tell me what you've done this weekend Tell me about the souls you led to the Lord. Tell me where you preached. Tell me what you did for the glory of God this weekend. One day, according to the Bible, you and I are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Those of us that are saved, I don't know what it's going to be like. When I was a little boy, there was no black and white. I mean, I was a little boy. And I don't remember it very well. Some of, Brother Henry told me about it. <laughs> there was a black and white TV program called This Is Your Life by Ralph Edwards. And, and some of you older folks, you can remember that. But I, I think that maybe it might be something like that. Maybe when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't know if they got electronics in heaven, but maybe there will be a big screen. And you will watch yourself walk through your life. And as you see yourself about to say that thing that you shouldn't have, you may cry, don't, 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 too late. That's past. 
When you see on that screen, you're going into that place as a child of God where you all you know you ought not to be there. And you say, don't go, don't. it's too late. Your life has passed. And so the Bible says, one day all of us who are saved will stand before the Lord and we will give an account for the things done in the flesh. All of them. Whether they be good or bad. C.T. Studd wrote it this way. Only one life. Yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The first American missionary from a, uh, named Judson said this. You have but one life in which to prepare for eternity. Had you had four or five lives, two or three of them might have been spent in carelessness. But you have only one. Every action of that one life gives coloring to your eternity. How important then that you spend that life so as to please the Savior. What is your life? Very serious question when you realize you're working on your eternity. But thirdly, what is your life? A very serious question when you remember the span of life. How long is it going to last? The psalmist said it this way in chapter 90 and verse number 10 through 12 of the book of Psalms. He says, the days of our year are three score and ten. And if by reason of strength they be four score, yet their strength and labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Listen, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Ah, oh, preacher, that was old time. You think so? In the United States, the average male lives to be 76.7 years old. Some of you have exceeded that. Some of you are real close. The average female, 81.5 years. The average life expectancy in the United States, 78.8 years the psalmist said the days of our years are to be three score 60 plus 10 that's 70 and if by reason of strength they be four score that's 80 how up to date is our bible the poet put it this way when as a child i laughed and i wept and time crept when as a youth i dreamed and talked and well time walked When I become a full-grown man, time ran. Can I get an amen right there? And soon I'll be passing on. Time gone. What is your life? James answers the question, if you notice there in James 4.14. He said it's but a vapor. It It is a vivid illustration of what life is. What is a vapor? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a smoke. It's an exhortation. It's, it's steam rising from a tea kettle. What is your life? James reminds us of the quickness, the shortness, the brevity of life. This concept's not new in the Scripture. Over 18 times in the Word of God that I have found, 
God reminds us of how brief, how brief life can be. First Chronicles 29, 15, he says, Our days on earth are as but a shadow. Job 7, 7, he says, Remember that my life is wind. Psalms 39, 5, he says, Thou hast made my days as a handbreadth. Psalms 102, verse number 3, My days are consumed like smoke. Job 7, 6, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. David said, 1 Samuel 20, verse number 3, there is but one step between me and death. It's a concept that we try to forget. We try to push out of the way. We don't want to be confronted with it. But here's the hard facts. Are you ready? One out of every one person dies. Not everybody lives to a ripe old age. You know, we've got it all figured out. We're going to live to about 115 or 20 or so. And, and then we're going to call all the grandkids in and all our kids and, and all of our great, great, great grandkids. And they're going to gather around our bed and, and we're going to tell them about those little whatnots we've got set aside for them. Now, Johnny, you take this. This is for you, Susie. I got this just for you. I want you to have that now. I'm gone. And, 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 it, and that's the way we picture death. But the problem with that picture, most folks just don't die that way. Most folks are like the rich young man in Luke, the 12th chapter, who looked at the blessings of God and asked his soul, Soul, what shall you do? I'll tell you what you do, soul. Pull down your barns, build bigger barns, stow it up for, the, for your retirement. You're going to have a great harvest. Just eat, drink, and be merry. You're going to have a great life. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, that very night, the angel of God knocked upon his heart's door and said, Thou fool, you're not going to live to retirement. This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. And then all of these things you've laid up, whose will they be? Sandra Ivy beautiful young lady i i remember as a as a underclassman uh drooling over the thought that she might one day go out with me she was so beautiful had everything going for her. perfect student everybody liked sandra she was the head majorette i mean the cheerleader she she just missed popular everything graduated with honors going to college she came uh, in the first year of college. She, she was going to Sunatobia, Mississippi. I know you know exactly where that's at. She pulled out on highway number seven where it hits highway number six. There was no four lane or overpass then, just a stop sign. And she pulled up to that in her little Volkswagen Beetle car, 19 years of age with the world in front of her. A chicken truck, one of those Grig 18-wheel trucks that hauls chickens to the slaughter. Man, it comes flying down that road, and she stopped, and she let that truck pass by. And after the truck was passed by, she pulled out, not seeing the second truck. And at 19 years of age, Sandra Ivy stepped into eternity. It happens, doesn't it? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, your life could be over. From a spiritual perspective, and I know that there will some that disagree with this, they already have. That's all right. I re listen, I, I respect anybody's ability to be wrong. 
from my spiritual perspective, I, I believe there's only two ways people die. I believe that people die saved or either they die lost. If you die saved, then according to the Word of God, you have done the only thing you can do in order to be saved, which is you've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. In fact, in John's Gospel, the 14th chapter in the 6th verse, Jesus very emphatically makes this statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman, no boy, no girl, no teenager, no old person ever comes to the Father but by me. Well, preacher, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. There are a lot of different religions out there. And people are men. Listen, they are involved and and they're committed and and they believe in what they believe. And and don't you think that God's going to take that into account? And God said, I sent forth my love. I commended my love toward you. And that while you were yet sinners, I allowed my son to die for your sins. Only way, only way anybody ever gets saved by trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, having his blood wash their sins away. Revelation 14, 13, the Bible said, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yea, yes, saith the Spirit, they will rest from their labor. Listen, for their deeds do follow them. I was at a church recently, not this one. And I walked in like this. And I was the only one with a suit on. And, you know, young preachers like to make fun of old folks. That's not wise. We've been around a long time. And so in the introduction, he, wanted, he made fun of the way I was dressed. And so when I got to the pulpit, I shared with the congregation, as I'm doing with you now, I hope and pray the day comes when I die that I die preaching. And if I do, the undertaker doesn't have to dress me. <laughs> Amen? Now if I die in my sleep, Miss Linda's going to take care of that for us. I'm going to die saved. But not because of anything I ever did. The only reason that I'm going to die saved is because I put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. A sure foundation that cannot fail. In Christ Jesus, we have been made more than conquerors through him that loved us. But not everybody dies saved. I know, I know you've been to 10,000 funerals, especially in this part of the world, and nobody ever goes to the funeral that's lost. Everybody that, listen, I've been doing funerals for over 40 years. I've never heard anybody stand in the pulpit and say, this old sorry rat, he cursed God, he beat his wife and his children, he, he, he challenged God, and God killed him, and he's died, and he's gone to hell. Now that would be a funeral, wouldn't it? Just be honest. I heard about this one funeral and the preacher got up and he just went on and on and on. All these great things about the deceased. And the mama punched the son and said, go up there and see if that's your daddy. (laughs) According to the Bible, 
You're either going to die saved in Christ Jesus or you're going to die lost. And you don't know when that day's coming. Hebrews 9, 27, the Bible says, There is appointed unto man a time to die. Then comes the judgment. James says, Your life's but a vapor. Job said, It's faster than a weaver's shuttle. David said, There's but one step between me and death. And it's coming. Are you saved? No, preacher. You're taking a chance of dying in your sins. John chapter 8, verse number 44, and you'll not have to turn there. Jesus Christ told those people on that day, John chapter 8, verse 21, again, verse number 24, he said, because you will not believe in me, you will die in your sins. Why? Didn't they know the truth? According to what your Bible said, the Holy Spirit of God has been sent, John chapter number 16, to convict the world of sin. Is he God? Yes. Is he perfect? Yes. That means he has convicted everybody. If he's not, he ain't God. And so the convicting power comes. And you sit in a church service like this, and you hear some old fat, bald-headed man preach the Bible. And the Bible and the Holy Ghost deals with your heart. And you know that you've never been saved. Oh, you joined the church. You got baptized. But there, there's never been a change in your life. First, uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You knew you got wet. You knew you got prayed for. You knew that you still fill out a card. But you know there's never been a change in your life. And you know you need to do something. And you know you need to make it right. But you don't. And so Jesus said, The day will come when you'll seek for me and you cannot find me. Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse number 1, he says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You say, I'll preach, I get, I'm, I'm not going to get saved today because you're up there. I'm going to wait till my pastor's up there. That's, that's, I want to get saved when Brother Henry's preaching. Why didn't you get saved last week? Hello? I'll get saved. And you delay. Oh, I got to go to another church. I can't get saved here. I got to go back to my home church. I got to go to work. No, you've got the opportunity right now. Right now, you can be saved. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, suppose the whole today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. If he's dealing with your heart, don't, don't put it off. But some will. Some will. And they'll die in their sin. And then secondly, I'll say this to you. People die in their sin because they're not expecting to. I don't know if it's true or not. I have not researched it. I read recently in a pastor's sermon notes where he made this statement. He said 21 times in the New Testament, people died without warning. King Herod, thinking that he was, fell down the worms ate him. Would have named son. Stephen preaching, got stoned to death. I, I worry about that one a lot. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, nobody really knows when that knock is going to come upon our door. I think possibly, Pastor, the greatest reason that people die in their sins, and I know that I've shared this before, but it's my heart. 
the reason that people die in their sins is because we have an enemy called Satan, the devil. And he's the great liar. He, he, he brings delusions. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 20, the Bible says, and by these things, by these fruits, you shall know if they're really saved or not. Verse 21 says that there will be many on that day. You know, many, that, that's a crowd. Amen. Many on that day will say unto me, Lord, Lord, in thy name I have prophesied. I've been a preacher, Sunday school teacher. Lord, in thy name I, uh, I've cast out demons. Lord, in thy name I've done many wonderful works. Do you understand that these people are expecting to go to heaven? They think they're going to get there because of something they've done, whether it's been a preacher or working in a church or having a life group. Something they have done is going to merit them entrance into heaven. And the saddest verse in all the Bible to me, Matthew chapter 7, verse number 23, this is what Jesus said. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But I joined the church. I never knew. But, but did, did, I surrendered my I never knew you. What is your life? Very serious question. When you think about the fact we only go around once. Very serious question. When we think about working upon our eternal estate. Very serious question. When we realize that we're either going to die saved or we're going to die lost. What is your life? Pray with me, please. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.